Welcome to the first episode of the Big Mike and Chife podcast, Madison podcast, coming at you Thursday mornings about any sports topic anywhere. How are we doing tonight, Mike? Oh, we're doing pretty good. We're going to start it off with our NFL predictions for week two, just wrapped, coming off a pretty good week one. So Thursday night game will be the Bengals and the Browns. What do you got, Christian? All right, Thursday night, I had the Browns. I mean, coming off a short week, rookie quarterback in a whole new system, I don't know how Joe Burrow is going to pull out that game. Well, I'd like to start off my prediction by saying, why is that the, why is that our Thursday night primetime game? The Bengals and the Browns. They couldn't think of a better game to put in that slot. I mean, number one pick against number one pick, that's... About all I got. I don't know why anybody wants to watch this game, really. Um, well, I've got the Bengals in this one. I think Joe Burrow's a young, determined quarterback. He's got a, some Bengals around him. They're ready to take their franchise to a whole new level with the rookie quarterback. So I got Bengals winning. I think Burrow will get a few wins later on in the season. But I think early on and a short, short week, I don't see them beating the Browns. All right. Now we move into the Sunday noon slot. So I'll just, Giants and Bears, what do you got in that one? I got Danny Dimes pulling out the dub in Chicago. I do not believe in Trubisky at all, even though he had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter against the Lions. I think that the with... Without Saquon Barkley, with him rushing six yards, they still scored 16 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think they'll be able to outscore the Bears, and the Bears won't be able to find a good answer. 100%. I agree with that one. Daniel Jones looked great Sunday night, and I don't know. He he was a little shaky. I don't know if I'd say great. He looked great compared to the expectations he's put up against. I think... Daniel Jones got was getting it done. Get Saquon Barkley back in the mix. Not against that nasty Steelers D line, and I I see the Giants. Wait, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, twelve slot. All right, next one: Broncos Steelers. Broncos at the Steelers. I'm taking the Steel City in this one. I think with that defense they had shutting down Saquon. Uh. And a new quarterback in Drew Locke. I think they're just going to get so much pressure on him. He's going to make some ill-advised throws. And the Steelers will get the win because Big Ben is back. Yes, I also think the Steelers will beat the Broncos. I know some people have some high expectations for the Broncos this year. But I just, I don't know. I don't see it. They don't impress me. I got Steelers in week two. Rams at the Philadelphia Eagles. Who you got, Mike? Rams. Agreed. Carson Wentz with pretty pathetic on Sunday. I don't know. He just he'll probably get injured this week or in the coming weeks. So with they have no O line going up against Aaron Donald, who just blasted through the Cowboys line last week, and they have a great O line. Yeah, I've got Aaron Donald with about thirteen sacks this week. He's gonna have a high number of sacks, and Carson Wentz might be in a hospital at the end of the day. All right, Jaguars Titans. What you got on that one? Jags at the Titans. I have the Titans coming out victorious. The Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew played pretty much as perfect a game you can get against the Colts, and they only won by seven. And I think with the Titans, 
they'll be able to run all over that Jaguar defense with Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannerhill will do just enough to pull out the win like he normally does. Yeah, I've got the Titans winning that one. That's all. I don't have nothing to say, just just that the Titans are going to win. All right, Falcons-Cowboys. This was the hardest pick for me, but I think I ended up taking the Falcons just because of how many receivers had big yards against Seattle defense. I don't think Dallas can keep up. We'll see if Todd Gurley can do anything, but he's been unimpressive in the last two years. But He's looked a little off his game. Panthers at the Buccaneers. Tom Brady in his second start. You know, this one was a tough one for me, but I definitely think that the Panthers are going to pull this one out. I don't, I don't know how the Buccaneers are going to play later in the season after some of their new players like Fournette and Gronkowski and Brady get to know the playbook a little bit better. But definitely last week they just looked like they were just a bunch of guys thrown together at the last minute that have never played with each other before. So I think they need definitely need a few weeks to get everything going for those guys. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I think they'll clean up their penalties and turnovers from week one. And the Panthers had their first game against the Oakland, The I mean, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, who don't have a great defense at all. I think the Buccaneers' defense is going to be able to stop Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater. All right, 49ers-Jets. You want to say it with me on three? One, two, three, 49ers. 49ers. There's no way the Jets can win this game. They have no defense, and... Sam Donald is just going to get his head blown off. Yeah, I don't see the Jets coming out with that one or any game this season. They might go Lions-Packers. Who you've got in that one? I've got Green Bay coming in. I think against Minneapolis, Minnesota, they had a ton of young DBs. And, you know, Jeff Okuda, his first season in Detroit, I think Aaron Rodgers has another big game and lights up the scoreboard. Yeah, I'm taking the Packers in this one because I just always pick the Packers. How could you? How could you try and root for them on TV if you weren't even didn't even pick them to win? So I've got the Packers winning this one against the Lions. Also, uh, the Lions just aren't that good. So, all right. If you give up three touchdowns to Drew Bisky, you know you got some problems. All right, this next one, I got a hot take on this one, but Bills Dolphins. I've got Josh Allen taking the Bills to the win in this one. Josh Allen is a great quarterback. I think we're going to see some wonderful things from him this year. He's got just a absolute cannon of an arm. He was tearing it up last week. Josh Allen is on for a big season. I don't know if he can if they'll do anything in the AFC against the Chiefs and the Ravens, but I don't know. I think Josh Allen and that Bills offense go a long way this year. I agree. I think that the Dolphins' offense won't be able to get past that tough Bills defense. And Cam Newton had two rushing touchdowns yesterday, and Josh Allen loves to run. So I think he can throw it to anybody against the Dolphins' defense, and I think if he wants to, he could run all over them. All right, next game, Vikings versus the Colts. What are we looking at here? I have Phillip Rivers getting his first win as a Colt. I think that... Minnesota, obviously exposed by Green Bay, has a very young backfield on the defense. The Indianapolis offensive line is just full filled with studs. I think 
Philip Rivers is going to have plenty of time to throw, and he's going to have some guys that are going to get open, and he's going to put up a good amount of points, and the Vikings, I don't think, will be able to score very high against the Colts' defense. I've actually got the Vikings in this one. I don't know. I think it's just going to be whoever comes out with the better offense because uh, we we saw the Vikings get burned up by Rodgers, and the Colts were getting Gardner Minshew just carving up the Colts' secondary on Sunday. So I got the Vikings in this one just with a little bit better. See if Thielen can have a better game. And I think once Delvin Cook is going to be one of the best running backs in the league this year. Yeah, who doesn't love some Minshew magic? I was a huge fan of Minshew mania last year. Yes, sir. We'll see what he can do this year. He doesn't look too bad. No, he does not. Three oh five game. The Washington football team at the Arizona Cardinals. This was a tough pick for me. I am on board with the Washington football team being good this year and they looked good. Coming back from a seventeen oh deficit at the half to the Eagles. Oh man. But I've got the Cardinals in this one. I really like Kyler Murray this year. I think with the pickup of DeAndre Hopkins is gonna be a great weapon for Murray to yeah, I I agree. I think if Kyler Murray can run all over the 49er defense, he's just going to be able to do whatever he wants against Washington. And he's got DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got Larry Fitzgerald. He's going to have plenty to throw to. He's going to have plenty of time. And he can make some plays with his legs. He's pretty speedy. Uh, I think Cardinals put up a good amount of points, and their defense will be able to stop Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team. I agree. All right, Chiefs versus the Chargers. Chiefs at Chargers. I'm taking the Chiefs solely based off of I don't think I'll pick against Pat Mahomes in that high-powered offense. Yeah, you know, the Chiefs is just one of those teams where you just Google the Chiefs and look at the first four players that come up, and you're like, wow, this team is this team is loaded. So, yeah, I've got the Chiefs in this one. I mean, they just have been just hitting jackpots since the Super Bowl. They had signed that crazy contract with Mahomes. They made a wonderful pick with Clyde's Edward Hilaire in the draft. So he looked great last week. So I think the Chiefs will pull this one out. Yeah, and when you've got a quarterback like Mahomes who can just sling it left and right deep and just do whatever he wants, and then the first game of the season against the Texans, he just goes surgical. He's making drives. He's good. throwing pinpoint, just little check downs and stuff. And it just seems any you can't stop him. Yeah, he's certainly certainly one of the greatest. Uh, I think I'd say he's the best quarterback in the league this year. What do you think? I think I'd agree with that statement. I don't know who can who head to head would beat him. All right, three oh five slot last game. We've got the Ravens and the Texans. Ravens at Texans. I'm going to take the Ravens. They've got a tough defense and a high-powered offense. And that didn't go very well the last time the Texans played against the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens in this one. I think that we'll really just see uh, that young offense come alive in this one. So, All right, that brings us to Sunday night. We got the Patriots and the Seahawks. Who you got, Christian? I'm taking Seattle at home because... I don't think that Bill Belichick and Cam Newton are going to be that great this year. I think they had a good start to the season, but I think as they go on, we're going to see some miscues. 
And the Seattle offense just looked terrific against Atlanta. Russell Wilson throwing four touchdowns, 300-plus yards. He just looks sharp and on point. Yeah, I've got the Seahawks in this one. And for those, for those of you who aren't, uh, who aren't aware of the Let Russ Cook movement, Pete, Pete Carroll is a is a mostly it's a pretty run heavy uh coach and he has been in the last in the recent years but the let russ cook movement is a movement for russell wilson to get some more passing opportunities in seattle and i think they tried that out in week one and i think it couldn't have worked better for him and cook russell wilson did <laughs> last game of the week monday night football the saints at the raiders who you got uh i've got this i've got the Saints, another great team in the NFC, just like the Seahawks, and I just love their offensive scheme. I know that Drew Brees has been looking a little frail in the last in the few years. I mean, he's still he's still Drew Brees. He's still making some plays when he needs to. But my favorite part about their offense it was is with Taysom Hill taking snaps. It just opens up so many different opportunities for them. He can run. He can throw. I think they'll be good with Drew Brees mostly behind there, but then when they can throw Taysom Hill in there to just mess with mess up the defense, I think that will work out great for them. The Swiss Army Knife is a personal favorite of mine. Yes, I also am taking the Saints. I think that the Raiders' only real offensive weapon is Josh Jacobs, and the Saints will be able to stop him enough. And Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees, even as he's aging, can still throw up a ton of points and... I don't see how the Raiders' defense could stop them. All right. And that brings the picks for week two to a close here. We'll see how that pans out. I'm pretty excited. It was a pretty amazing experience to have football, NFL football back this weekend. What do you think, Christian? I was ecstatic to have football back finally. I don't think I did anything else but besides watch it this weekend since the pandemic hit and we didn't have any sports for a while i've just been dreaming of football since april yep and we get to see all these off-season moves that we've seen in these in these last during this is one of the craziest off-seasons ever we get to see him come alive and that brings us to our next topic with the uh regarding the um nfl draft this year the packers decide to take to trade up and draft for Jordan Love, the QB. So that was the an astonishing pick for most people. And what do you got to say about it, Christian? When I was sitting in my basement wearing my Aaron Rodgers jersey watching the draft because we didn't have any sports, I was less than thrilled with their draft choice of Jordan Love. I was hoping for a wide receiver or something that we could actually use this next season. And we trade up and draft Jordan Love. I just... I didn't have any idea why it would work. Because it didn't seem like it made any sense financially for the Packers, considering Rodgers still has a number of years left on his contract and a lot of guaranteed money. Yeah, I've got another hot take with this one. I think Jordan Love was a great pick. As a longtime Wisconsin sports fan, I'd like to see I'd like to see the Packers be good for a long time here. And I just don't a long time just isn't what Aaron Rodgers have has. 
So I just and Rogers is cooking right now too. So we can still win a, win championships in the next coming years. And with Love just sitting there marinating under all of Rogers' elite wisdom, it gets it just it's amazing. What do you think that they? Do you think that they drafted him for the future, or do you think that they drafted him like everybody is saying now, that to light a fire under Rodgers, hopefully to get him going again? Oh, I don't, I don't know if they drafted it for that purpose, but I definitely think that it's going to be a Rodgers love revenge tour this year, and Rodgers is just going to go out there and prove to everyone that he's, he's the big man on campus, and no one's going to beat him out for starting job in the rest of his career. He is still a bad man. That's for sure. But uh, going back to the point I said earlier was I need Wisconsin sports to be good for a long time here. And with Giannis being a free agent in the next after next season, you never know where he's going to go. So I need love to come in, and the Brewers are just absolutely horrible. So I need love to come in and save the, the Wisconsin sports that look like they might take a dive here in the next few years. But, I mean, Jordan Love was a risky pick anyways. I mean, he wasn't. He was considered. Well, he could be a hit or miss. Do you think that their intention was to just keep him under Rodgers and hopefully he develops, or do you think they just wanted to take a shot? Uh, I think. I think they did. I think they did pick him to develop under Rodgers. Um, the and you say he was. He he wasn't one of the hit or miss quarterbacks that were up there. I mean, he was up probably top five, but he. Uh, I I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. And, you know, obviously. But I think Love was up there. I think he's going to be great in a few years. So He does have, I guess, the highest ceiling, I believe, out of this draft. He does. He had, his comparison was Mahomes, but he's just unmolded yet. And that brings us to another Packers question in the draft. Was it a good idea to not draft a wide receiver after what we saw in week one? Oh, I don't know if it was. I don't know if I'd say it was a good idea, but I think it might still work out for the for the Packers this year. You know, with obviously Adams is probably one of the looked looked like a looked like the best wide receiver in the league this week. I'd say, and um, with just Lazard looked decent, but Marquez Valdez Scantling had a few drops that uh, I didn't love too much, but. We'll see. I but still he, think he's going to be a big asset for it this season. Yeah, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling did make up for it, and I think that not drafting a wide receiver in the draft, even though Rodgers might have preferred one, just shows that they have a lot of faith in the Packers wide receivers right now and the, their potential to be good. Alan Lazard looked sharp. Devontae Adams, it just seemed like every play he was wide open. For a pass, he always had a few yards of separation, and Rodgers always had a window to go to him. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling did have a few drops, but he did have a few big catches, like the one at the end of the first half. And then when they caught uh, Minnesota off a defensive lineman jumping, he sprinted straight to the end zone, and Rodgers uh, threw a dart right to him. Right, and you know Rodgers. Rodgers is supposed to be made out in this situation to like be so just upset with the decision and how he wished they would have drafted a wide receiver which I'm sure he, he does wish they would have drafted a wide receiver because I know he's come out and said that but 
the thing is, I think Rodgers does like what, we, what he has here in Green Bay, too, right now. Because, obviously, having a wide receiver like Devontae Adams, you're going to love that. It looked seemed to be like he was targeting uh, Valdez-Scantling, and uh, he likes he liked him enough to throw him the ball a few times. And I know he said before that he really thinks Lazard could do a, a lot for the program. So we'll see how that turns out for him. It'll be very interesting to see how Lazard develops in this second year where he's really a starter for the wide receivers. And also, you know, Devin Funches took the uh, opt-out. So that's another wide receiver that they technically still have. That's right. I was I was really excited for Funches to play this season, but opt-out. But I think uh, our top three that we have here, I think they'll work out just fine for us this year. So I don't know if we need to draft a wide receiver, but I definitely think Jordan Love was a great pick, and we'll see how that turns out for the Packers. Big risk, high reward. Uh, moving on from one number 12 quarterback to another number 12 quarterback, Tom Brady and his opener with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What did you make of his opener? You know, I thought I was kind of kind of got uh, tricked by the, uh, by all the media stuff there, and I was really fantasizing of the wonderful super team that Tampa Bay was putting together but the truth is NFL football these days there's a lot to learn to be in a program and you can't just throw your what you want to be your starting running back your starting tight end and a starting QB you can't just throw them in at the last second and expect them to learn the playbook and have it all sound so like I said earlier I think maybe next year they'll be good maybe in the later stages of this regular season but I don't see Tampa Bay coming to anything this year. I mean, yeah, I didn't I didn't understand the whole hype with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady adding it because they added Tom and Gronk, but then what about your special teams or defense? There's no they only added really Tom and Gronk in the offseason and everybody was talking about how they're going to be a super team. Well, he does have good wide receivers. I just don't see how this team can turn it around from Jameis Winston to Tom and go to the Super Bowl. Do you mean you see why Tom Brady made all those nine Super Bowls because Bill Belichick had such a great system. You you never saw a New England team give up nine penalties in a game, multiple turnovers, and then flub a kick back to the other to the kicking team. It that just never happened and it's just taking away a lot of opportunities for Tom. And I don't think they're going to reach a Super Bowl in 3 years. All right, moving on from the NFL. Let's dig into the NBA and what happened last night, the Nuggets and Clippers in game 7. What a crazy finish to a season that a lot of people thought the Clippers were going to win the championship. Yeah, I'll be honest. Going into the playoffs this year, the Nuggets were kind of the one team that I didn't really know anything about or had anything for. I uh, d- didn't really like Jamal Murray. I know he had that one time a couple years ago where he was at 47 points and the whatever team he was on was up by like by like 30 points at the end of the game and he took a buzzer beater shot three to try and get himself to 50 points. Now I remember that's kind of just been the one thing that has stuck with me about Jamal Murray, but then watching him over these these the course of these playoffs just rise up and just will his team to to wins is just incredible to see and I've fallen in love with him and I think 
the Nuggets have are a great story, but it's it's, it's you know it's hard to say that they'll beat the Lakers. But I think I think seeing Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, you know he's he's just incredible. You know that twenty two points with a triple double, thirteen assists. I mean from a center. I mean you you like he was just putting dimes to Jamal Murray, giving him a forty burger last night. So. I mean, it's great to see the Nuggets, but I don't know how how long they'll last against the Lakers here. Yeah, uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic have just, in the last two series, seemed like nobody has an answer for them. The dynamic duo. I, I mean, the Clippers are supposed to be built on this tough mentality, tough defense, and they just they just gave it up. They couldn't do anything. I mean, not only the. The stats don't show you that Jokic and Murray played outstandingly crazy to beat the Clippers, but Kawhi and Paul George played awful. Kawhi was 6 of 22, Paul George was 4 of 16. I mean, the Clippers were leading at the halftime and then ended up losing by, like, 20. They couldn't do anything in the second half, especially. Yeah, Paul George has just been abysmal the entire playoffs. I mean, he started off real slow, and then he got he had that one thirty point game after everyone was talking about how he was playing so poorly. But then just right back to the gutter with Paul George in this one. Kawhi Leonard not playing great. I'd say he's Kawhi Leonard has been hyped up over the years. I know he's won back to back championships, three champ or two championships with two different teams, like. That's pretty good. He was going for his third. That would have been pretty impressive, but the Clippers just have been way overhyped this season and they're I don't know, have you have you seen the videos they put together of the how they say it's captioned all oh, the Clippers are the best defense in the league and they have it's the compilation of all their ankles getting broken. I have they made it from that. the regular season. It's a video of just they're just getting dropped left and right and oh man, the Clippers just way overhyped this season. I didn't never liked that pick. I mean, I guess I didn't understand why again, you just combine everybody to a new team. You're just throwing it together with Kawhi in his first season and all of a sudden they're just going to win a championship. Obviously, they're good enough to at least, you know, get this they got the second seed in the West, but the playoffs are such a different beast compared to the regular season. As you can see with the Bucks, they always compile a ton of regular season wins, but they just haven't been able to get it done in the playoffs. And just a brand new team like that that you just threw together, I don't see how you could just win a championship. So I've got the Lakers winning the finals this year. I think it would be great if the Lakers did win the finals and LeBron won his fourth ring, but they better watch out for the Heat because the Heat have been playing like there's no tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's my team this year. Most underrated team in the league, I think. Uh, young players with Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson. Just they, I think they're built for a championship, too. I don't know if they can beat the... I don't know if they're going to beat the Lakers this year, but I think definitely in the next... 10 years they're gonna have a ton of good runs and maybe even a couple championships in there Duncan Robinson is a shooting guard are you familiar with uh, Duncan Robinson at all Christian I have not been paying particularly close attention to the heat because they did knock off the bucks and I was not very happy about that 
Duncan Robinson is a 45% three-point shooter, which is top 10 in the league. He is uh, just his second year, and I compared him to J.J. Redick. I think he is definitely the potential for a championship player, but he definitely but he needs some help and needs a role player. And they obviously, as you can see, they can get that done with Jimmy Butler and Tyler Harrow, as he saw yesterday at the end of the game, those two players coming in. Uh, Harrow is super overlooked because he's not talked about because of Zion and John Morant. And he's got 13 points a game and just under 40% from three. I think he's a role player too, but maybe maybe a little bit more impactful than Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Tyler Tyler Harrow, a rookie from Wisconsin, uh, he it just, he seems like he shows up in the big moments that when it really matters. I mean that and that that's the Heat in general. I feel like in the big moments when they really matter, they always get it done. Yeah, I know he he hits a lot of big shots and and like I feel like. People don't really understand when he hits them that they're big shots because you're, you're just watching an NBA game. You see the Heat play. You know, they played a lot of tight games this season. They didn't have an outstanding record, but when they won, they won in some late regular season games, and Tyler Harrow put the, put the dagger in some of those games. But you just think that it's one or two games that happens, but Tyler Harrow's been showing out, and so the the Miami Heat in this playoff series. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take the Heat over the Celtics? Yeah, I'm taking the Heat over the Celtics, and then the Lakers will beat the Heat in the finals, I think. But I think the Heat and the Celtics is a great um, is going to be a great series, too. You know, Jason Tatum obviously played great. You know, I've been a big Jason Tatum fan since day one, and seeing him in the game yesterday that uh, one, he had one, like, step-back three in the face of someone, I Seeing it real time, it was just surreal. Like he's he's a great young player, and he gets it done when he needs to get to get it done. But I think the Heat are better, so I got the Heat in that series. I agree. I think the Heat will knock off the Celtics. I feel they're just playing better right now. They're hot. They are the Heat. Yeah, and you know, and there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not Giannis will get traded in this off season because. The Bucks haven't been able to get it done in the last two years when they were favorites to win the championship. But there's been a lot of different developments here in this story with Giannis said he's going to stay in Milwaukee. That's He said that after the he had that one very mysterious quote about how he was going to run through the wall instead of go around it. Um, so he's so he was implying that he was going to stay, but then did you see that he unfollowed all of his teammates? Yeah, that was a very so, weird uh, move. Media? How, I didn't understand how he says that he wants to stay and he wants to run through that wall and get over the hump, but then unfollows all of his teammates. And then it gets even another twist comes out that he talked with the team and that they said they're willing to go into the luxury tax for him and uh, try and reach out and get some more free agents to come there. I There's just so many pieces going on. It doesn't, by, by his body language, it doesn't seem like he wanted to stay in Milwaukee, but that's what he keeps saying. And we, I'm just very interested to see how this all ends out. Yeah, you know, I 
I don't know how I feel about that three-hour lunch meeting he had with the owners. You know, I, I like the sentiment. I like they're trying to keep him in Milwaukee, but I don't know what moves the the Bucks could make to make him any better. I mean, we saw in this regular season there, they were the best team in the league. They looked unstoppable. They looked like there wasn't anything you can do to make them better. I think they just need to figure out a way to get it done in the playoffs. What they really need to do is figure out how to win in the playoffs because they're winning a plenty of games in the regular season. They are the number one team in the NBA back-to-back seasons, but they just haven't got it done in the playoffs. And I think that's really where they need to figure out how are we going to accumulate playoff wins and be able to win a championship. That's right. And that will bring us to our interview with Ben Probst. We're happy to, uh, we'll be talking to Ben Probst in just a second here. He is, we're happy to have him on our podcast. Three sport varsity athlete out of the, uh, your very own Madison La Follette High School. Um, he is on his, he is at Platteville to play basketball this season. And so we'll see how he's doing tonight. All right, here we are. It's an honor to be here with superstar Ben Propes, three-sport athlete. How are you doing tonight, Ben? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, ben, I was the um, announcer for the My Sports Clips live stream. Did you see any of the uh, – did you hear me at all on the highlight reels? Oh, yeah, definitely. did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. First question uh, or for you was your team was filled – the basketball team was filled with a lot of great shooters like you and Isaiah Stewart and the Gray brothers. How were you guys able to put that group of guys together and translate it to a regular season Big 8 championship? Uh, I think the biggest thing was like understanding everybody's talents. Like – Obviously, we're all great players, but we all specialize in different categories. So I think the biggest thing was kind of putting that together for one common goal. And that's kind of what drove us throughout the season. Yeah, I think, I I mean, you guys were great to watch this season. I mean, it was obviously a tough end of the season. But, I mean, your senior year, it must have been an insane ride to just go on that and insane regular season yeah for sure i mean that was most fun i've had in a, in a long long time <laughs> and i did have a question for you here when i was actually at the your thousand point game and mm-hmm. i was just one like when when you got fouled did you know how many points you were at because you hit you hit that last free throw to get to take you to 1000 points did you know you were at 999 uh i did i did know i was only a point away uh and then I missed the first one, not intentionally either. <laughs> so that kind of added added some drama to it. But I was just very fortunate for the last four years to be to be put in that situation to to achieve that goal. Yeah, that was incredible, and I mean, it was great. It was just so much fun to watch you guys, and moments like that throughout the season really made it what it was. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you guys had some great moments, and uh, early on in the season. Uh, it was your first big eight uh, game of the season against Wes, and you guys came down to a close game. I think the final score was like uh, 58 to 56 or 55, something like that. How were you guys able to keep your composure in big moments like that and be able to pull off wins? Well, I think 
the biggest thing that West game was a big wake up call for us. Um, and you know, we we kind of got lucky down the stretch there. We turned the ball over a lot, and we ended up just making one or two more plays more than them. But that game kind of was as a wake up call that everybody's kind of coming for your head this year. Um, and so that's kind of something we really focused on in practice each and every day, just end game situations and being able to close out games. And it, it proved to really be successful for us. Yeah, you guys didn't have a very close game for a while after that one. Yeah, definitely. It, it was a nice little stretch we had. <laughs> for sure. Another question. After your guys' one loss of the season to East, how did you regroup yourselves and get back to form for the last game of the season and then for the playoffs? Um, I thought it was kind of a, a good humbling loss for us. I mean, East is a really good team, as we've seen the last four years, and it's always a battle. So it's it wasn't a, a bad loss by any means, but I just think kind of resetting after that loss and just realizing we have bigger goals than just winning that one game, and it shouldn't. We should use it as as motivation, not set it back. Yeah, you know, sometimes you need that extra little kick in the pants there in the middle of the season when you're getting maybe a little bit too high and bring <laughs> you back down to reality, and so you can make that title run. Yeah, definitely. My last question for you was near the en- at the end of the season, I think it was David. I think we got reports that he wasn't able to play for the rest of the for the playoffs. And I was just wondering, did you guys feel like you were still able to win the state title even when he was out? Yeah, I think it definitely would have been harder without David, but he was still at practice every day kind of pushing us, and he was our biggest motivator and and supporter. So we knew we had to do it for him, and he was going to help us in any way that he can, even if he wasn't on the court. So that was kind of a nice push. For sure. And just so you know, in our eyes, you you guys won the state championship this year. So <laughs> I agree with you guys. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think there was anybody that was able to beat you. Obviously, East did beat you guys, but that was a close game, and they had to play perfect. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes, I mean, I obviously still think about like some of what hurt play East again uh, in that sectional final, but. I mean, it is what it is, and obviously here we are seven, seven months later, and we're still dealing with it, so there was, there was obviously a bigger picture to it all. Yeah, and so that brings us to a question I had was, do you think you'll ever be able to let go of that feeling that you could have won the state championship, or do you think that you're confident enough in that team's abilities to that you were going to win it, that it kind of sits easily with you? Uh, I don't think it'll ever sit easy necessarily. I mean, I've kind of come to accept it that, you know, it happened to 16 other teams, uh, but it just, it sucks. And looking back on it, especially telling my kids, grandkids, all that stuff, it's, it's definitely going to sting for a long, long time. Yeah. And now we've talked a lot about basketball, but you're actually a three sport athlete here. So our last question for you is if you could be the best in the world in any of your three sports, what would it be? Uh, obviously bas- basketball would be up there, but if I, going off of basketball, if I had to choose another one, I would probably say baseball, just because I just think the ML- being like the MLB and being a top-tier MLB player would just be, you kind of have the life. You just go to the ballpark every day and just chill for nine innings, kind of. Yeah, that's so, 
I think that would be obviously I love football too, but football is a little more strenuous on the body. <laughs> thank you for your time and thank you for joining us on our podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome to have you. We'll have to have you back sometime and once we get this thing off the ground, we'll definitely let you know. So thanks Sounds for coming good. out today. And good luck at Platteville. Yes. Thank sir. you. Thank you very much. All right, see you, man. All right, see you guys. Ben Probst just finishing up his call with us, our first guest on this show on our first episode. Yep, so it was great to have Ben here. It's nice talking to him, you know. Some that's he'll go down in La Follette Athletics lore, I think, for sure. He'll go down as definitely one of the best basketball players that La Follette has oh, yeah. ever seen, one of the greatest one of the great leaders. I mean, to be to be at his thousand point game when, when that happened, it was just I didn't even know he was close to that mark and that's just surreal to me. That's two hundred and fifty points a year as a even as a freshman, that's insane. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Mike and Shife podcast. Be sure to keep eye out for next week's and see ya.